Zero. Ah, now it's died. <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome to this first proper episode of Chewing the Fat. Uh, with me, Phil Cobley, um, and my co-host, Adam Furman. Hello, Adam. Hello, Phil. How are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's nice to finally be able to uh, sit down and, and do our first proper recording. Yeah, it's taken a little while to get here. Um, both of us yes. are very busy, but no, <laughs> things started. That's it. Yeah, far too busy. But when when did we do the pilot? When our demo um, back pilot? Of February. Yeah, back February. Of February. And it's now middle of April. Yeah, yeah. So taken just a little while to get round to it, but um, but yes, welcome uh, to to any and all uh, who are listening into the the vi- I don't know what to call it podcast, video cast, video podcast. I don't know. It's a podcast. It's a podcast with video, if you want to watch the video bit, I suppose. Um, but yes, welcome. Um, this is Chewing the Fat, a, d- a digital forensics and, and digital investigations uh, podcast, kind of where we're looking at focusing on uh, discussing all the industry news, things that are going on with digital forensics, um, trying to keep it relatively casual, nothing too strict. We've got a rough agenda hopefully we'll be able to keep to it we might not manage to keep to it um (laughs) as i'm sure adam will will confirm with me that we we do go off on tangents and we do talk a lot so trying to trying to keep this down to our time limit for the podcast is going to be very difficult (laughs) um and yeah we'll talk about the industry news uh we've got a topic for uh each episode so our topic this week um we're going to be talking about the same topic we actually talked about during our kind of demo pilot podcast uh which uh well adam i'll i'll let you kind of say what we're going to be talking about yeah so we spoke about a, a college of policing report that was put together um and very silently um and when they announced it, they had very short dates as to which you could put a reply together um, to indicate how you felt about it. But the report was basically to replace the ACPO guidelines um, that had been in place for a long, long time. And that, that they are still relevant, in my opinion. But, um, but yeah, so we're going to be taking a look at that, um, the pros and cons, and whether or not the ACPO principle guidelines do still hold true. Awesome. Um, very interesting topic. Um and we'll clarify all things like if you're not quite sure, if you're new to the industry or, or whatever, things like, you know, ACPO. Um, we'll talk about what those are and what that me- what that means, stands for, etc. Um, and maybe we'll even touch on everybody's favourite subject, of ISO 17025. Yeah, maybe. I, I didn't bring myself to say those words, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> what, what a topic to start off a podcast yeah, <laughs> series. No. <laughs> no, switch off, turn it off. Um, yeah, well, well, we'll have a discussion about that topic and then we'll go on to um, a little segment that we call Forensic Faux Pas, um, where this week Adam and I will be kind of telling you a couple of stories about some of the sh- stupid and ridiculous things that we've done uh, in, in our <laughs> careers in digital forensics, all the mistakes that we've made. Um, but then with uh, future episodes, we're hoping to get, and we know that we're going to get a few, um, Get, uh, special guests on to have a chat with us and kind of talk around the various topics and, and uh, discussion points and we'll be getting our guests to also tell us their forensic faux pas so uh, hopefully some industry greats um, well-known names 
telling us about some of the, as we all do, some of the really stupid things that we've done. Yeah, because we've <laughs> all made them at some point. All made them. So if you are new to the industry or if you're just getting started, um, or even if, if you've been in it for a while but you, you, you haven't really been keeping up to date with the news and topics and, and what's going on, um, hopefully you'll enjoy that segment and... Uh, but if we know for a fact, and I, I know I definitely suffer with it, uh, that imposter syndrome is a big, big deal with digital forensics and cyber. Um, yeah. So we're all in the same boat. None of us really know what we're doing. <laughs> we're all blagging it and making it up as yeah. we go along. Um, and we've all done really stupid things. Yeah. And um, so. we probably should introduce ourselves as well. Um, so Phil and I are both UK-based. Um, both have a policing history. Um, both worked in digital forensic labs as former police officers. Um, it's true. Yeah, and we've both been involved in computer and mobile forensics. So we're going to want to keep this podcast sort of discussing the entire industry, really, because it's it's all relevant. Um, and computer forensics, that you know, the same principles that we followed for analysis and things, are now moving into mobile. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think between us, we've got something like. 30 odd years in policing yeah I think haven't we and probably half of that forensics yeah <laughs> so a little bit of experience in the room um, and uh, yeah some, some severe imposter syndrome <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, but yeah um, and we'll, we'll um, with the with the podcast and the release we'll we'll be putting with the description and, and uh, everything contact information so if anyone wants to kind of Drop us a note, say hi, tell us that we're doing a, a good or a terrible job. Um, or suggestions points. for topics, yeah. Yeah, topic suggestions. Or if you want to, once you've heard the forensic faux pas, if you want to write in with any of your funny stories or silly things that you've done, um, then please do feel free to write into us and let us know because uh, it'd be great to hear yeah. all the silly we, things. Um, and, and we can read them out and obviously hide your name if you want. We can anonymize them, yes, yeah. absolutely. Although I guarantee that whatever you tell us, someone else has done the same thing yeah. somewhere. Sure Definitely. they have. Um, the other thing that we'd like to say is that it, you'll, you'll notice that we do have some branding on us. It's not it, entirely intentional. No. <laughs> Partially, not entirely. It's not, this podcast has product placement. <laughs> for, for anyone in the or, listening to the audio podcast uh, that was Adam holding up an MSAB mug <laughs> yeah. yeah but um, but yeah Adam works for MSAB um, uh, I did work for MSAB um, I now consult with them along with, with others uh, but I actually run my own business uh, called CDL Solutions which I do digital learning but mostly in forensics um, but even though um, we do have affiliations with uh, MSAB and they are very kindly footing the bill and sponsoring this this podcast, um, we are keeping it vendor neutral. We want to do this for, we very explicitly kind of said that we wanted to do this for the community as a, a just as an opportunity to kind of uh, reach out to fellow practitioners and investigators and kind of try and help support them and give them something where we can catch up with news and have a bit of fun while we're doing it yeah. um, and, and maybe like help support like network connections and you know getting people in touch with one another and whatever uh, whatever helps really and uh, and MSAB have been really 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 good about that uh, really kind of supporting us with the kind of neutral kind of yeah don't worry we'll 
will help support this because we want to also help support the community. So um, little, <laughs> not, not necessarily intentional product placement, uh, but a, a big thanks to them just kind of for believing in us really and um, allowing us, us to, the chance. To, yeah, and allowing us to do it in that sort of vendor neutral capacity because, um, yeah. you know, anyone within the industry knows we all need multiple tools. So, you know, being able to talk about that freely is honest and open and it, you know, you have to use multiple tools. You, you do, you do. And so. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, um, like, like Adam said, both of us have worked in forensic labs, um, in the police. Um, Adam is a, is a, um, uh, investigator and examiner and specialist. And, and I, I did a, a while as a sergeant managing a lab and, you know, very, very aware of the fact that you need multiple tools and no tool is ever going to be doing everything for you. Um, you need multiple tools for your validation and your verification and kind of ever since ISO 17025 came in and we'll get into this later, um, we have found a lot of flaws and holes in tools that wouldn't have been picked up otherwise. Yeah. And so it's, you know, that's kind of one of the good things about having multiple tools and being able to benchmark them against one another so um yeah we're, we're both quite passionate i think about that and and we're both also quite big advocates of uh kind of open source and scripting and kind of free yeah. tools and kind of supporting the community to support themselves and all yeah. that kind of stuff so um yeah so it's a you might hear us prattle on about some of, <laughs> some yeah. of free tools as well one of which i do want to talk about later on as well um so yeah, so without further ado, um, well actually no, before we move on, how are you doing Adam anyway? <laughs> I'm doing okay, um, off the back of a night shift, um, delivered a webinar this morning, early hours for um, the Australian market, um, running an exam and investigate series, sort of detailing how to run an actual investigation, how to keep an event log and how you shouldn't examine a device without a submission form to make sure it's you know justified and proportionate um so yeah i've been enjoying doing that but um yeah i thought i'd finish night shifts so i'm a little bit yeah. tired but i'm okay <laughs> but you're, you're battling through so that you can be here today exactly doing the podcast exactly yeah you're so, a trooper um, um i do take my hat off to you i do not miss night shifts either um funnily enough last time when we did the the pilot episode for this um it was just as adam was going on to a night yeah. shift for a australian mm -hmm. webinar um so you were you were kind of just just getting into the groove of <laughs> being in the office and like prepping yourself for this yeah webinar. and now now you're on the other side of it <laughs> recovering from the webinar yeah it's the joy of finishing a night shift where you haven't got a night shift to follow so you force yourself to wake up so you'll actually sleep normally again the same day. Um, yeah. But your eyes are burning, but coffee helps. Yes, coffee helps, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, how's your week then? Uh, manic, manic. Um, so the, the life, I've only been doing my private company full-time for the last few weeks, uh, but I can say safely say that it is... Um, a very eye-opening experience <laughs> there's a lot of lot of client demands um yeah it's been very really really busy um which is good yeah it's good it is good um i'll, I'll be honest i've 
whilst I've I've been plowing on with work and kind of cracking on with work and getting things done, uh, the things that I've been looking forward to the most over the last couple of weeks uh, happened at the beginning of this week, which was I finally managed to get a haircut. Me too. <laughs> so I'm just going to take my headphones and say, it's all short now. So um, before this, just want to point out that Phil looked like <laughs> Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I was lovingly, lovingly told <laughs> by the, the MSOB UK team that I looked like I'd come out of Dawson's Creek. Um, I've never seen the show, so I then had to Google what everyone looked like in Dawson's Creek. <laughs> and, yeah, um, I realised, yeah, I did. I yeah. did. All the sweeping back hair, and it was yeah. it was horrible. Um, <laughs> and, um, and pubs reopened in the UK. They did um, on Monday, uh, so today's Thursday. So yeah, they yeah. did open earlier this week. I have not been. No, um, me neither, because I'm a middle-aged man and I prefer to get my hair cut. <laughs> yes, yeah, same here. I was more yeah. excited about getting my hair cut than I was about going to the pub. But yeah, to, to be honest, the the thought of... So in the UK, the, the rule is that you have to sit outside. You, you're still not allowed to sit in a venue. Um and the UK is up to a massive high of 12 Celsius during the day at the moment. So sitting <laughs> hugging a cold pint is, no, I'll pass for no. a while. No, and uh, and I know for a fact that both Adam and I suffer with circulatory issues. So <laughs> staying warm is difficult. Um, so no, I'm going to... I'm going to probably wait a little bit, either to, to have a drink maybe at the weekend in the, during the day yeah. when it's a little bit warmer, um, or just wait until the end of middle of May, I think it is, May 17th. Yeah. Inside opens up and you can sit inside. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's been like, what, over a year now? <laughs> it feels like 20, but yeah. Yeah, I'll, uh, I can wait another month. It's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. but at least we're two stone lighter with our haircuts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, and and saved a lot of money because I haven't been going to the pub. Yeah, so it's win win. It's win win, win win yeah. on so many counts. Um, anyway, <laughs> what do we say about going off on tangents? And <laughs> so, um, okay, let's talk about some industry news. Yeah. So, what's been happening? Um, when we did the pilot, um, there was actually it was actually frustrating in a way because there was actually some really good industry news going on. Um, and there was this uh, collective series of articles and podcasts and various other things uh, where lots of different people, lots of different vendors were talking about iOS. And it was yeah. around about the time when 14.4, 14.5 had come out for iOS. Um, and you had um, Heather Malik talking about uh, kind of the location data on iOS yeah. uh, from her Life Has No Control Alt Delete. Um, also repeated, obviously, with Celebrate um, and Sans, and you've got uh, you had Belkasoft talking about iOS forensics. You had uh, Josh Hickman, our friend Josh, talking about iOS and macOS in his latest blog. Yep. Um, quick shout out to Josh. Hello. Um, you had, and I pronounced this okay in the pilot. I don't know if I'll pronounce this well yep. again. Um, Oleg Afonin. Perfect. Uh, Elkomsoft to talk about iOS recovery mode. Thank you. Yeah. Um, MSAB talked about 14.4 and check grain. Um, and my favourite, but despite all this iOS stuff that was going on, my favourite um, 
article that came out back then and I wanted to mention it again today because I just think it's quite good was from Jessica Hyde talking over at Magnet talking about Twitter of all things um, and I mean why why is why do you think this is such a thing for me Adam <laughs> because you're now on Twitter and you're now <laughs> the joy of Twitter yes so for so long I avoided Twitter I was never on Twitter didn't understand it people talk about tweets and things I was like yeah I kind of get it I think I learned more about Twitter when um, uh, Trump was in office than I did <laughs> from before it. Um, but yeah, then I, I kind of read Jessica's article, uh, which was simple, straightforward, but it was, struck a chord. It talked about the community and yes. Twitter and supporting one another, um, and like the, the DFIR hashtag and things like that. And so I thought I better get on there because. As you know, I'm a big supporter of kind of the community and helping one another. Um, just like the Discord, digital Discord um, server, uh, which recently hit three years old, I think. It did, yeah. yeah. As well. Uh, another news thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to just kind of mention that what we talked about previously in the pilot, because that Twitter post did, did hit home a little bit, kind of. I thought, yeah, we need to do more about supporting each other and just yeah. kind of getting onto these social platforms. And I mean, yeah, you've, and had, you've had some really good experiences with it, haven't you? And your yeah, and obviously I shared a tweet with you the other day because I didn't realise I'd been on Twitter for ten years. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know where that ten years has gone. Um, but yeah, I think it was around about eighteen months ago. The DFIR hashtag um, we're running a DFIR fit. Um, and people were encouraging each other to get fit, um, which, you know, most of us probably need to start that hashtag again after lockdown. Um, I know I do. Um, yep. But yeah, it's it's like you say, it's just a way for people to reach out. Um, I've had previous colleagues who have been investigating iOS deep, deep into the databases and they've reached out to Sarah Edwards on Twitter. And she's taken the time out to reply to them and help them. And I think that's what the industry is about it doesn't matter who we work for we should all be approachable and remember that we all started from scratch yeah and i i know we said it on the pilot podcast and i hate the terminology of calling yourself an expert yeah don't yeah can't stand it <laughs> yeah, I mean, and um no twitter's just a great place to share that information and it's different to facebook because you you can be that little bit more anonymous. Mm. Um, so people feel, you know, imposter syndrome and things like people feel more free to share, you know, and help each other. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I've definitely found it to be much easier to kind of just get involved and chat yeah. and join in conversations than, than any of the other platforms really. So, um, so yeah, so to, to, to Jessica, thank you for putting that post out. It kind of, Struck a chord, positive chord. What we should um, probably do now you're a Twitter expert is probably make a chew in the fat podcast Twitter. <laughs> Remember what we said about it, the expert term? Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> that's that's definitely that's definitely something though that I would I would quite happily delegate to you is the, yeah. the ten years in Twitter. <laughs> I will get one set up. Good man, good man. Uh, so watch this space for our uh, Twitter hashtag. Yeah, whatever it is, handle. I don't know. Yeah, and, and when I sign up for it, I realise that it's already gone, and we'll end up yep. having to. Um, yeah, but we'll see. Yep. We'll see. We'll see. 
Um, but anyway, other uh, n- other recent news. Moving on, um, that's actually have well, I say other recent news, recent news as opposed to what we were talking about a couple of months ago. Um, that that has kind of come out. There's um, some some people in the industry might have seen um, uh, through this week in forensics um, a uh, article about a new Android triage tool that has been released to the community, um, and I am definitely going to get the names wrong here uh so it was developed by uh Mattia Epifani Is that? yeah that seems right yeah 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 um and it was re- reblogged uh and and posted about um through um Andrea Fortuna um so and and that's all been um, mentioned in this week in 4 and 6 and the Android triage tool, it's, it's all you need uh, for this tool to work um, is essentially the connectors for your device, a device that uh, either has a passcode that you know or doesn't have a passcode, um, and ADB. Yeah. And that's it. And you can basically triage the Android device all through this one script, um, which I think is fantastic. It's a lovely yeah. little tool. It looks really straightforward. I haven't tried it yet. I've been meaning to. I haven't tried it yet. Um, but I've read through the, the how-to guide and stuff, and it's yeah, it looks great. You get some out, really good output logs, and uh, kind of you can get a, an understanding of what's on the device and some of the device information and stuff, and all outputs it to some text files, and yeah, it looks great. I think any opportunity to get down and dirty in ADB, most people enjoy, um, and you know the fact that it's all run from a back script is just amazing. If, what was your comment earlier when we we started talking about this again? Yes, when it made me feel <laughs> a real geek is how much I love back scripts and automating everything. <laughs> it was almost a little bit wrong, wasn't it? It was almost like, yeah. oh, oh, back script. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a rubbing the thighs moment. Now. Yeah. It's a bit bit disturbing. Um, but <laughs> yeah. oddly, I completely understood. Um, <laughs> I was completely with you on that one. Um but yeah, no, I agree. It, I think uh, this command line stuff, uh, it just, I prefer it. Yeah. Um, it's just so much more, I say <laughs> so much more straightforward. It, it is straightforward once you understand what you're yeah. doing with it. Yeah. Um, and I think understanding what you're doing with it, it's just a case of practicing it and yeah. doing it over and over again and yeah. becoming familiar with what you're doing over and over again. So um, yeah. It's like anything with digital forensics, Phil, and I always tell this to people new in the industry, is mm. test, 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 and have a you know a, a test laptop, a test device, and use the devices and dump them. And it's, yeah, yep. you know exactly what you were doing, so yeah. Yeah, just try out that stuff. If it doesn't work, oh well, try something yeah. else. Exactly. And figure out why it didn't work, and then it'll increase your understanding. And yeah, yeah. Um, no one ever comes into this industry and can just pick stuff up and just run with it no. and know, what, know exactly what's going on. Um, no, and there is never going to be, however much bosses think there there is, there is not a find evidence button. No, no, and I'm glad. I'm glad because yeah. um, we'd all be out of a job. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the industry would slowly crumble to death so um yeah i but you're like you're right you're right it's never there's never gonna be a find evidence button and it's it's changing so quickly uh the industry um 
it's, it's no, no one's ever going to be able to keep up. Well, funny enough, I so. I met up with my um, brother-in-law yesterday, who's a database developer, hmm. and we were having a chat about sort of the different databases in use, and I asked him if he'd heard of Realm, um, which he hadn't, but he's dabbled a bit in Mongo, and I sort of said, you know, what makes, obviously being a database developer, I, I said, what makes you choose these other platforms? Hmm. And he said, put simply, because I can. And it's a bit like Apple with their different timestamps in the same table. Why? Because they can. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, although you mentioning Realm just kind of put a shiver down my spine a little bit. Of, um, all the work, I've, research I've been having to do recently on Realm um, and learning yeah, did, about Realm. Yeah, did you want to say, because obviously um, what you're doing that research for, because I, I think that's quite a good thing for people to know. I think it's very important to know. So uh, again, um, one of the things, that, one of the sponsors for this uh, podcast, I didn't mention before, but um, through MSAB, um, really, I suppose, uh, is for mobile the for mobile project, which is um, kind of sponsored and, and funded through the uh, the EU uh, with uh, central funding. Um, and the for mobile project is all around trying to uh, develop standards and training and uh, tools that support law enforcement in their quest to carry out mobile forensics, uh, mobile mobile forensic analysis. Um, which is a fantastic project. I've been involved with it for quite some time. Well, since its inception, almost really. Um, uh, and yeah, one of the one of the things that I'm working on, one of the many things I'm working on for the project at the moment, is uh, developing a file format handbook. Um, so similar to uh, the, the the concept is similar to uh, what Brian Carey did with the file systems yeah. book that he developed many years ago, um, but with some common file formats um, and particularly a number of database files um, so there's obviously SQLite and stuff in there um, we've got a few file systems in there and we've also got realm databases as well because that's an up-and-coming kind of database format we're starting to see that in some applications and it does function very very differently to SQLite um, yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I've been having to do some research on that because I got given the task of developing that chapter for the book. And uh, yeah, it's getting to the point, like like when you do uni studies and you you kind of study something to death and get to that point where you just once you're done, you don't want to see it ever again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really thought it was going to take off. I, I think it was at the beginning of lockdown last year where people started using House Party. And I think Alexis Bregoni did an article on passing the House Party app, and it was using Realm. Mm. Um, but I've got to admit, I haven't seen it in use as much as I thought it would be. No, I, I thought it was going to be more common by this point, mm. to be fair. Um, and it was when we were talking about the, the book ages ago, when we first started doing it, um, there was a lot of expectation that by the time the book came out, this would mm. almost be old news. Um but yeah, there's not actually that many apps that have adopted it that I've seen as yet. I don't know if it's just because we're waiting for them to kind of filter through and yeah. eventually kind of see off that the, the SQLite stuff, <clears throat> or if um, people have looked at it and developers have looked at it and gone, actually, it doesn't quite do what we want it to do. Doesn't feel um, like my comfy old armchair of SQLite. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's got so much cap uh, uh, potential and, and, and so many capabilities and functions. 
um, but it is a little bit more complex um, and it's you in, in a nutshell rather than just creating a database on a standalone database and then populating populating it with a load of data um, and just kind of almost like an Excel spreadsheet you have to effectively go in and code all of your tables and instead of columns you have you create objects and object instances for, for all of your data um, so if you're familiar with objects oriented programming then it would be quite straightforward yeah. for you um, and th thankfully I did Java at uni <laughs> so yeah, we, we, both, we both did the same course didn't we, we object we did. yeah that's it so um, so I'm looking at it thinking, right, yep, kind of got this, this is fine. And obviously doing all the Python stuff that we do um, is fine. But um, yeah, I think anyone else who, who's not object oriented in that kind of logical process, uh, it'd be quite a lot to take in yeah. the way, and because you've got to initialize the instance of the database at the point of yeah. starting the application. So the application itself then creates the instance of the database upon boot. And then you've got a code in there for it to not keep creating new instances. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I downloaded because um, they've got Round Studio, haven't they? So you can, you mm. know, and it's free, so you can sit and have a play with it. And yeah, I started to have a play with it. Instantly got taken back to battling with object oriented Java, and yeah, I don't think I've opened it again since. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the book chapter walks you through building a, an instance simple instance and then it talks yeah. you through the headers and the arrays and the structures yeah. and stuff like that so um tries to kind of break it down and make it a bit more straightforward but uh yeah i i'm definitely getting to that point where i don't really want to see it ever again <laughs> and remember what we said about tangents yeah yeah, yeah, no, we're, yeah. we've gone way off uh, on a tangent haven't we um <laughs> uh other things that I just very quickly want to cover and then we'll go on to our topic and we'll do a 10 minute blast on our topic. Yeah. Um, so uh, firstly, the Forensic Forecast Awards uh, for that kind of was started by Lee Whitfield in 2008. I really wanted to mention this because it yeah. did make me laugh. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was telling Adam just before we came on air. Um, but uh, I've done a lot of the training courses and, and uh, the open source conferences and stuff run by Basis Technology with the Open Source Digital Forensics Conference and, and some of the training that Brian Carey has done, and uh, which is great, fantastic. Love Autopsy, big Sleuthkit yeah. fan, kind of uh, big open source fan, as I mentioned before. Um, and they sent around an email, um, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote some of this. This is great. This is so, <laughs> if anyone's if anyone's received this, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and they said to talk about the awards um, and they wanted to kind of help people uh, in um, super objective recommendations that they would like to make for various uh, categories. Um, and so they've they've posted a 100% neutral, unbiased recommendations yeah. blog. Um, <laughs> um, so our 100% unbiased forecast awards nominations, um, commercial tool of the year, cyber triage by basis technology, <laughs> unbiased, non-commercial tool of the year, autopsy by basis technology, <laughs> again, unbiased, <laughs> show of the year, open source digital forensic conference run by basis technology, <laughs> <laughs> training course of the year, divide and conquer DFIR process by Brian Carrier and <laughs> basis technology. <laughs> um, and they've even added their own 
own category of digital forensics dog of the year cash yeah <laughs> completely just, unbiased yeah i thought it was oh it was brilliant it had me laughing so um yeah <laughs> on a basis thank, thank you for that that was brilliant <laughs> um and the other thing was when we last did the pilot um i was complaining about a chromebook that i was doing so i was still in the forensic lab back then and uh yeah i was doing a chromebook job and it was i was tearing my hair out about it and literally a week later magnet released their chromebook tool yeah i mean yeah it it, it happens all the time and it it's no different like with sort of mobile phone software is it that you were battling and you you put a script I, I remember putting a script together when I first stumbled across the knowledge sea and wrote this really big sequel statement and then yeah like you say then two weeks later Magnet came out or another vendor I, I can't recall and did it all for me and I was like yep. I'm glad I spent half a week doing that <laughs> yeah it just happens doesn't it yeah um, <laughs> at least you had the satisfaction of being able to get it working yeah yeah, and like we said earlier, dive. I ended up setting up loads of test data, so you can then validate your findings. So, and if when I subsequently went to court after that and gave evidence from like the Knowledge C database, that put me in a better place to actually understand what I was presenting. So, not always a bad thing. No, not always a bad thing. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> that's a roundup of all the new stuff. Took a little bit longer than planned. Yeah. Um, what I'm what I'm going to say is we'll do a quick blitz of the College of Policing, um, and then if we can squeeze in a quick forensic faux pas, yeah, we'll try and do that. So, yeah. um, do you, do you want to start us off on the College of Policing topic, Adam? Yeah. So, like we said, College of Policing released an updated sort of guidelines for dealing with digital devices, and it sort of aligns with the ICO report in regards to dealing with because when we deal with digital devices we're not just dealing with a a suspect we might be dealing with a victim or a witness handset so do the current ACPO principles work you know in relation to those devices Mm. and so the College of Police and put together I can't recall how many pages it was Phil do you no um, it was it was in the tens yeah in the tens of pages Um, yeah, um, I did have a read through it, and there was a lot of extra words that didn't need to be there, in my opinion. Um, yes. But yeah, so going back, the, the four principles of the ACPO guidelines. So principle one, no action taken by an examiner should change data on that device when it's relied upon in court. Yeah. Um, number two, so if you find it to necessary to access that original data that you've got to be able to go to court and justify why you've done that. For example, mobile devices. When you're dealing with them, in order to get an extraction, they have to be on. Well, by being on, you are changing data. Mm. It's just being able to explain and justify that. Um, Principle three is that an audit log should be kept so an independent third party can come to exactly the same conclusions you did. And principle four is the best one is the big cheese is always responsible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Known, known as the officer in the case yeah. in the UK. But uh, yeah, absolutely. So I always used to summarize it in training as, as uh, don't change any data 
It's the first one. Yeah. If you're going to change data, then at least know what you're doing and mm -hmm. kind of be trained in and competent in doing it. Uh, then if you are going to change any data and you're trained and competent to do it, um, or if you're going to do, access that data in any way, make sure you keep an audit trail and write down what you've done yeah. so someone else can do it. Um, and then lastly is, like you said, um, the ultimate responsibility lies with the officer in the case. Yeah. Um, so, and, and those are, and when we say ACPO principles, uh, that's anyone not in the UK, that's um, the Association of Chief, Chief Police Officers um, for UK policing, which is now, is now actually no longer used. It's actually the um, MPCC, I believe. Uh, yeah. The National Police Chiefs Council. Council, yeah. Um, this is getting like an episode of Line of Duty with all these actors. Yeah, it's all these. <laughs> Cheers. Great show, by the way. But yeah, yeah, lots of lots of uh, acronyms. Um, or is it uh, T uh, TLAs? Yeah, that are acronyms. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and when you say ICO, uh, obviously the the uh, Information Commissioner's Office. Yeah. Um, so the, the in the UK, the person responsible, the office responsible for kind of information security, data protection, uh, making sure businesses, people are protected and yeah. they protect others, etc. Um, and uh, and yeah, the the you're right. The 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 report that was released by the College of Policing. Um, was trying to modernise the way that we look at suspects and uh, victims and witnesses, and I, I think it needs clarification um, yeah. because previously we've not really considered the difference between, or well, there's not been any guidance specifically between the difference of suspect and witness and victims, when it, especially when it comes to mobile phone data. Yeah, which well, is becoming so. Much yeah, more important. well, the four principles don't really deal with how long you store that exhibit for. No. You know, do you hand that exhibit back, or because that is always original evidence? It, it doesn't matter once you've got, you know, it, it's okay with computers that you can get a complete physical from a hard drive, but with phones, the phone is always going to be the original evidence. Yeah. So, yeah. but um, yeah, and absolutely, and and I think the the what this document was. Uh, referred to as what's called APP or, or um, uh, Approved Professional Practice. So the College of Policing in the UK will release APP and then all forces are expected to essentially use that as guidance and how to, to approach certain situations and certain policies and procedures, uh, which makes sense. Um, I think it often forms the basis for a lot of uh, other authorities as well. Yeah. Um, and this was a draft for a new APP around digital evidence handling. Um, and I, I, the thing that I got quite vocal about it before Christmas um, 2020, um, uh, especially on LinkedIn, because I just felt that it was it was kind of pushed under the radar a little bit, and it was published. I don't think it was very well written. I think it was. I think the principles are correct, but yeah. I think the way that it was presented was poor. Because um, didn't they only allow for a review like they gave such a short date for people to yeah. send feedback in it was kind of they've released it just before christmas and all the feedback had to be in like either just just after christmas or just after new year yeah. so it was the the period when no one was at work yeah. <laughs> yeah. and no one had the time to do it um and it, and there wasn't really that much marketing or publication about it so it was it just felt very under the radar 
Um, so I tried to flag it up with a lot of people just yeah. to kind of get some get some feedback in, really, um, so that it, it got the the scrutiny that it needed. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think it was quite a general consensus. Who everyone who read it was kind of agreeing with what you and I have said about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we we weren't sure if it it was meant to replace the ACPO principles because I, I think they still stand for how you should deal with digital evidence, but it was more mm-hmm. of how it was just to differentiate if you're dealing with a suspect's device or a victim or witness. But yeah, that's it. So. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with that. We haven't really had any update from it um, no. since. Um, it did contradict uh, what was written in the Forensic Science Regulators report around about the same time, um, which probably doesn't doesn't help it <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, um, and, and we should just add that um, for people who are interested, we will put links in their podcast show notes to all these sort of articles and things, so... Yeah, absolutely, and, and I appreciate we we haven't had much time to talk about it today, um, but we'll we can always kind of revisit, and especially yeah. when when the na- the next version of the drafts come out, we can certainly revisit because um, I think it's quite an interesting topic, and it's one that's going to quite heavily impact yeah the the industry um, once it starts all kind of coming out. So, and it will eventually, I think, lead to impacting ISO seventeen oh two five, so the standards <laughs> for. Yeah, so laboratory standards around validation and verification of tools and methods, yeah. um, which will then also impact the Four Mobile project, where they're looking at these international standards, yeah. which will kind of be quite similar to yeah. the APO principles and also the ISO seventeen oh two five requirements. So, I think it will have a knock on effect, and yeah. we need to make sure that as a, as, a, as a as a discipline, as an industry, we need to make sure that anything that comes out is properly scrutinized so that yeah. it doesn't negatively impact it because all that's going to happen if we get restricted in what we can do and the way in which we can do things uh, uh, you know and i appreciate you need kind of ethical and moral boundaries to everything that we do it needs to be a pro- proportionate and appropriate but if, if there's too much yeah kind of that's been if it's written badly and there's too much kind of going the other way um then it's it's going to ultimately negatively impact victims and witnesses. yeah and a prime example of this is um I, I went to a client site um was showcasing something that uh, the msab tool did and that they weren't aware that the tool could do that and when i asked you know why haven't you tried it because my another acronym my sops tell me to use that tool so someone's standard operating procedure has found that tool does that very well, so that's what you use. And it worries me that you've got new examiners and analysts coming through and they're not open-minded about this because they're just following this procedure because that's what they're told. Yeah, yeah, they're being told this, do this, this is how it's done. Yeah. Um, kind of almost almost kind of um, restricting innovation and, and exploration. Yeah. yeah. And, and we want to encourage that, that in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, that's my only concern with, or I shouldn't say only, there's one of many, of I, <laughs> is that it does restrict that creativity and that, what we said at the beginning, that you need multiple tools. Yeah. You have to think outside the box. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I want to keep talking about this, but we are restricted on time, and I want to make yeah. sure we very, very quickly get in our final segment. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think we need to... Uh, We'll park that, 
please email us or contact us if you want to discuss it further um, yeah. that'd be great uh, but now let's have a look at our forensic faux pas Sounds good. So, Adam, what is your forensic faux pas, or the one that you're willing to share? <laughs> yeah, so, like you said, I've got many, 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 but I think the one that I continually did, so it wasn't just a one-off, it wasn't a, a typical N-case image-your-own-hard-drive. Um, <laughs> That's the standard one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> um, which was the most annoying one if you worked on an exhibit finish all your processing and then you put it back in the bag you sealed it up take it back into the exhibit store return to your desk yep. and what yep. catches your little eye the sim card or the sd card that you didn't put back in the device or if you were dealing with a computer tower the kettle lead yes yeah so yeah i did it multiple multiple times um, <laughs> and literally everyone in my forensic unit would just do the nelson months laugh ha ha yeah and, um yeah so yeah. that is mine that i'm willing to share <laughs> i think we've all been there we've all been there i feel your pain so <laughs> so which, which one are you willing to share uh, again i have many um, and any of my ex-colleagues who are listening to this will be like kind of screaming probably various different ones <laughs> most days there was something um, <laughs> um, mine would probably be when I was trying to you know you, get, you go to those um, you sometimes get put on those operations we got a big job uh, loads and loads of people involved um, usually like a drugs job or an organised crime group or something and you get hitting loads of addresses all at the same time and it's all kind of this coordinated plan of right gather these devices bring them over here put, give them to these guys and these guys will yeah. do this forensic analysis and you do like an 18 hour shift just doing as many as you can and uh and it was one of those and uh it was an organized crime group they they be doing that thing where they kind of all buy a batch buy of the same phones so like you know a nokia 105 or something yeah. like that and so you've just got loads of these phones that all look exactly the same on the outside. And obviously you've got the identifiers and stuff like that. But just at first glance, just like, yep, yeah, no, they all look the same. Uh, and in the rush to try and get everything done after a 16, 17 hours of shift, kind of think, I know, I'm going to put cause the night one of those things with uh, XLY that I was using at the time. You can do three extractions at once yeah. on the hub. So I thought, I know, I'm going to use both my forensic machines, three extractions at once, like six devices I can get running all at the same time yeah. here. Set them all up, leave them overnight, come back the next morning. Have I labelled up which ones were which? No, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> So I'm looking at my desk, and then this stack of evidence bags and stuff, kind of, and I'm just thinking, where, what, which yeah. one did I put where? And I obviously found, worked it out because of yeah. the reference numbers. But just at first glance, there was just that, oh, I've been an idiot. Yeah. Oh, I should have managed this better last night, but I was just too tired. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was one of mine. That was one of mine. Um, obviously, I've done the end case thing, and kind of, oh my gosh, this person, this this oh, person's got. They've got egg case and, and, yeah. and they've oh they've got FTK and yeah they're forensic oh, examiner oh they've got these PDFs on forensic examination and 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. No. no, that's the forensic machine. <laughs> that's your C drive. <laughs> We've all done that. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, no, I, people can laugh at our expense. Yeah, and by all means, do do send <laughs> send yours in, please. I look forward to reading them. Yes, like we say, we can anonymise them. It's not a problem. Um, so yeah, that that I think um, we are overrunning. Yeah, we've we've gone over our planned time, but for episode one, I think we're allowed that. We're allowed that yeah. episode one. We'll get better. Um, but. Yeah, to all our listeners, um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, anyone watching this, um, thanks for watching. Um, thank you to you, Adam, for waking up in time uh, no. after your night shift <laughs> and drinking all the coffee yeah. in order to be here and de- battling with your cold that you're suffering with at the moment. So yeah. I think you've done a marvellous job. No, thank you very much. Um, we do know how bad man flu is, so um, yeah. Yes. Yes, and I know that you I, you were definitely struggling before we went on air. Yeah. Um, so, well done, sir. I, I tip my hat to you. And likewise to you, buddy, with um, how much I know you've got going on. But Phil and I were both passionate and keen that we wanted to start something that, you know, is going to help the community. And, you know, even if it's someone's commuting to work and they listen and have a laugh, listen to our forensic faux pas, um, that's what we're, what we're doing this for. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. So, any suggestions, thoughts, ideas, feedback, comments, anything, please feel free to get in touch. Let us know uh, because we want to make this for you guys. Um, we want to have fun while we're doing it. We don't want it to be too formal, um, but we also, like we say, want it to be neutral and just we'll talk about any any digital forensic related subject that you would like us to talk about. Yeah, um, just let us know. Uh, or if there's cool tools or things that have come out, again, yeah. tell us about it. So, um, so yeah, from from us I say thank you very much Um, have a great rest of your day wherever you are whatever you're doing and uh, we'll hopefully see you in the next episode thank you all